Hello, everybody, and welcome to Just Talk with Joe Meyer. Another episode here today with you, all of you today. Thank you for joining me today once again. Surprisingly, I'll be honest with you, I just lost everything that I had just talked about for over an hour, and this stupid app just kind of lost everything. So it really frustrated me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I had such good things that I said and um, now I have to go back and redo everything. And if you, any of you know how frustrating that is, you can only imagine my frustration. But I really think it's really quite important that we take the time to go over this and talk about everything that um, we were going to talk about and um, give us the opportunity to kind of go through this. So let's do this again. Hopefully it will work. Um, let's start off with my entry song that I was going to go over into and uh, kind of give us an idea of what that's going to be about, setting the tone for our talk today, okay? I love that song, everybody. Just a very important song in my life that, for many of you who don't know this artist, her name is Natalie Merchant. She's been around since probably um, early 90s, you know, possibly late 80s. Um, she was also um, the lead singer for the 10,000 Maniacs, which few of you heard her, her songs, but incredible you know in my opinion anyways artist <laughs> um, today we're really gonna get into it a little bit uh, just some different topics today and go a little bit into you know what's important about today you know I think it's important to know that you know um, what my life is going through you know essentially um, just the you know current events so to speak um, so right now you know I know not every day is the most exciting for any of us especially in these pandemic days um, sometimes many of us are stuck at home um, and it gets pretty boring you know I think right now especially with work and teaching you know my days are pretty full Especially Monday through Thursday, where I my days don't usually end until eight eight p.m. or eight thirty, and then I'm really focused on other things like my writing. Um, I think it's important to you know to know that these days are hard, and I know being a parent, having my daughter go to school here, being on her Zoom classes throughout the week is difficult and I see online especially just a lot of angry parents quite honestly and we know it's hard we know it's difficult 
I think it's important to realize that these events in our life, they will get better. Although we may not see the light right away. I live in California. So mostly many things are going on in our state right now. We have fires. We have the pandemic. We have businesses shut down. We have homelessness. We have, you know, there's just so much. You know, it kind of, it's so much to think about on a regular basis. You're like, it would depress the hell out of you. You know, to think about. And I'm sure it does. I, on the other hand, I'm trying to be positive. I am trying to, you know, be a light to my family here. You know, being somebody that that can be positive throughout these situations, right? I will say that it's not easy. And, and you know, the, the thing about it is, I know it's easy for us to get angry. I know it's easy for us to, to bitch and cry about, well, you know, this is not fair, and this is not fair, and this is not, this is not going our way. And, and I get it. But we are resilient, everybody, in this. We can get through this. And I believe that. But there's others out there that are really suffering right now, right? That are really going through it. And we have, to, we have to make sure that we are kind and generous to those individuals that are really hurting right now. Because it's a very tough time. Some suffer more than others. Some don't even suffer in a sense. And you may say, hey, how do you sense that so somebody's not going through hardships right now? Well, there are people that are not going through hardships. There are people that are not affected by, you know, this. Such as like maybe rich people. Who have money and don't have to worry about, am I going to lose my home? You know, or if I'm going to lose my business, you know? And I'm not saying that rich people have everything, you know? Yes, they have, they go through their own suffering because I don't want to come off as being insensitive like they're unhuman. They, they are, of course, and many of them do suffer. But right now, you know, let's really focus on what's going on today. Right now, I don't want this show to just turn into some political show, right? Yes, politi- excuse me, politics are a part of our culture, especially in an election year. But I don't want that to be part of this. Yes, I will discuss it. I will talk about it. You will hear my views. You will hear my frustration and my anger at times, like many that you hear out there. But I don't want this to be a show devoted to politics. I want it to be about those who are out there looking for answers in their own life. You know, I struggle. I have a job. I teach at night, like I said. I help my daughter with her school. I'm married. I have a spouse I'm caring for. And I'm just trying to get through everything like each and every one of us. We are all in this together and I believe that. Right now, we are actually going through a very special month. And what is that month today? Well, it's called Suicide Prevention Month. And it's usually in the month of September. And so let me run some quick statistics to you or figures towards you. So there is an average of 123 suicides each day in the country. It's the 10th leading cause of death in America, second leading for ages 25 to 34, third leading for 15 to 24. In order to create awareness and strengthen the fight against suicide, the entire month of September is Suicide Prevention Month. And we must fight against you know, ending suicide. And I know it's never really going to go away. Suicide is very personal to me because of the fact that many, many, many years ago, I attempted myself. And it's very hard to talk about. And it's very personal because many times people who look at people who attempt suicide or go through mental illness, or have depression, there's a stigma attached to it. 
many times people who see those individuals think of them as weak. Like they can't get it together. Where people have told them, well, stop acting like that. Be positive. You don't have to think that way. You know, these are some of the words that, you know, I've heard in my lifetime. And if you don't suffer through those things, well, God bless you, man or woman. You obviously don't have that to worry about. But you may have other struggles. I think it's important to realize that suicide is a very personal for most of those who have suffered through it. And many times suicide, obviously suicide is the last option. Suicide is final. And those who commit suicide leave a devastating hole in the lives of people they leave behind. I know for those who commit it, they feel honestly, and I can't speak for everybody, but this is what I would think they feel, that they that they are just leaving this world in a better place than them coming into it. That they feel that, hey, the people around me are going to be better off. They're not going to miss me. They're not going to care. They're not going to have to worry about me anymore. And, you know, that's obviously what I thought at the time. You know, I think it's important to know that suicide is very difficult. Especially if those who try to commit it and don't succeed could end up hurting themselves even further and putting themselves in either you know, incredible harm physically or mentally. Today I'd like to share a little bit about that story, about what I went through and how I came to that point. It was February 7th, 2007. I'll tell you what led up to that day, but I'll tell you what probably led me to that in my life. Most of my childhood and adult life, for many of you who don't know this, I had suffered through depression. Growing up with my mom, sister, and grandfather, my grandfather was incredibly verbally abusive to me, my sister, and my mom growing up. My mother, who divorced my father at a young age, at my young age, went to live with her father who she had searched out um, because she was looking for her father. It's my opinion that it was the biggest mistake she could probably ever make because he was the devil incarnate in my own opinion. He was horrible. He told me and my sister and my mom how stupid we were every day how worthless we were. There was even some physical abuse to each of us. And it was very difficult. Now, I can only speak for myself. I, Obviously, my sister was there. I don't know how she was affected or if she was affected. But growing up at a young age, my mom took the risk of living with him because she needed to survive and take care of us and provide for us. And she did the best she could. And I don't fault her for that. I love her. I will always love her. And um, it's something that, you know, I have to live with. Growing up, my grandfather, like I mentioned, the way he treated us, um, pretty much was that way most of my adult life. And... Eventually, I left the house. When I was a teenager in high school, that's where I felt it really affected me. And it really caused things to really um, get harder. At some point in high school, I started to see a school psychologist. School psychologist did the best she could to be there for me and to support me. But I also had other people in my life, aside from family, that really were not the biggest supports. I had coaches. One of those coaches, I remember his name like it was yesterday. His name was Coach Malstead. Santa Fe High School in Santa Fe Springs, California. He was a real piece of work. Because 
in my high school, high school was good and bad in a sense, like most of us and sometimes. I was bullied. I was even bullied by an employee. And that caused irreparable harm at that time where I was going through depression, I was going through low self-esteem, and I searched him out, Coach Malsta, because he was the leader of the pack. And the first thing he told me was, I don't want to hear it's low self-esteem. I don't want to hear that. So he didn't want to hear it. So who was I going to talk to? Who else, right? Well, I could talk to mom. I don't think I really talked to her about these things. Maybe I should have. Um, so I suffered within. And so I suffered within. And so I continued to suffer until I graduated high school. And then I went off to college. And then, you know, I suffered even more because I was going through deep depression there. And I left after a few months. I was drinking a lot in college, like many college students do. I wasn't popping pills or anything. I wasn't doing drugs. But I was just in a self-loathing, depressive state. Decided to go home. And I went home and, you know, I went back home to the abusive grandfather, the loving mother and loving sister, and stuck it out. And obviously he gave me an ultimatum, you go to work or you go to school. And so I went to school and I worked, obviously, a part-time job. Um, but within that same time, growing up as a young adult, 18 or 19, I was again verbally abused every day, telling me how stupid I was. I was actually almost like his personal laborer to doing yard work and making sure I clean up around the house and making sure I was his personal errand boy. And you may say, some of you out there, well, yeah, well, you live there, right? That's your job, you know? It's your job to, to, to be a personal slave to somebody, right? And some of you may laugh at my... my uh, at what I'm saying but that's really what I was to him there was no love there he, there wasn't a grandfather's love for me I was just used I was just nothing he was the devil incarnate in my opinion until the day he died he's probably in hell right now for those of you who believe in hell I believe he is in hell because what good did he offer in one's life even you know in my life in the 18, 19, well, most of my life, he was there until he passed away. And he never changed. At one point, we had a blowout. And I moved into my father's house. And there, my father, also with my other grandfather, who was actually going through late-stage Alzheimer's at the time. And... Um, it was a hard life because it was just me, my dad, and my grandfather. And um, I was there to care for my grandfather. He needed his catheter, um, you know, replaced regularly. What my father did that. But one of the things that was really hard is that when somebody goes to Alzheimer's, obviously they're not the same person. They're like a shell of the person they are. And being somebody like myself who was going through deep depression, it's hard to see that. It really was. It was like, you know, seeing yourself in a way, like what, what you could become one day. But it was hard because my grandfather would walk around in the middle of the night he would turn on the stove <laughs> and I had to go to school and I had to go to work and my dad had to go to work and sometimes he would left, be left there by himself. Eventually we got somebody who would be there to watch him during the day. Um, but it was a hard situation. For those of you who've ever cared for somebody going through Alzheimer's or dementia, you know the struggles of what it takes. Basically, you're, you have to do everything for that person. You have to bathe them. You have to feed them. You have to clean up after them. You have to wipe their butt. Just like a child. 
And at that point, I was only 19 years old. So I really didn't understand that point. My eyes were not open to what it meant to care for somebody who was, who was basically at your mercy to help them. That was depressing to see. That was hard. And I don't wish it on anybody to see those things. And so my depression only grew at that point. My grandfather passed away in 2003. You know, he died in a hospice, you know, through Alzheimer's and, you know, other things. Um, but living in that house was very difficult. And it was very hard to go through that. And so I love my dad, I love my grandfather, but my father, who I believe, you know, he worked very hard in his life. He wasn't really the father that I hoped for. And, and I'll say that because, you know, he was never in a sense there for me, the way I hoped he would be. He worked many hours, he would come home plop himself on his bed or couch and conk out. And as a young boy growing up, and this happened most all my life, I should say, I never really actually had the father who would say, well, let's go play. Let's go catch. Let's go do this. And that, that in my sense, I feel affected me. And I know there's a lot of people out there who don't, who, who don't have father figures and you probably will say to me, well, you shouldn't really complain. At least he was in your life, right? Yeah, he was in my life. I was thankful for him being in my life. He's still in my life today. He just celebrated his 64th birthday, which was on the 9th of September. So happy birthday, Dad. But, you know, I don't know. You know, do I believe my father did love me and my sister? Yes, I do. Do I believe that he knew how to be a father? I don't think so. I don't think somebody showed him a good example of how to be a good father. He did try, in a sense. But being that I didn't have that attention, that father figure, because my grandfather was anything but a father figure, he, if, if I had learned what he had tried to teach me, which was pretty much to be angry, to use profanity, to use words to cut people, I would probably be a very different person today. But being that I was a sensitive child, I feel I was, that affected me. And I grew up very sensitively. And added to the fact that throughout my childhood, I was probably bullied in school, I was picked on because I was fat. <laughs> I don't know what other way to say it, put down for the way I looked. It was only a matter of time that depression would catch up with me. And I'm not saying that happens to everybody. There's been cases where people go through the same things I do and they're perfectly fine. Not everybody is going to be susceptible to, you know, depression. But it did affect me. And so growing up, in those years, and that was probably 1999, early 2000s, I was living in that house, sitting in my room, living my life by myself, alone. And yes, I have a sister and a, and a mom, but they were living their lives too, right? They were living their lives as they should be. And I don't fault them for that. But I needed help at that time. And I wasn't a Christian back then. I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know God. You know, did I know there was a God? Of course I did. I grew up even in a, uh, a Catholic church growing up in high school, which I have the most fondest memories of in my life, which actually allowed me to have some levity, some goodness in my life but it wasn't every day 
I wasn't a very good Catholic. <laughs> and, it would, and I'm not saying I was a bad person or anything. I just wasn't as devoted, you know? So growing up in that house, which I tend to call the house of hell, because it was. It was a lonely place. So moving forward, going through the years that I lived there, and I was there up until about 2007, right after I attempted that attempt on my life, right? And so I was living in that that horrible situation. I was alone. I was in search of something, of somebody to be that void in my, to fill that void in my life. Early in my 20s, up until I met my wife, I was searching for somebody to fill that void. And I felt a sense of rejection most of that time. I felt a sense of like, I just was not good enough. And it really affected me. It really affected me because I wanted that. And for many of you out there, you may be thinking, well, Joseph, I want a girlfriend. I want a boyfriend. I'm looking for somebody. I need somebody in my life. And you know what? Let me tell you this, everybody. I know you do. And I know you feel like it would make your life so much better because you feel like you'll have love in your life. You feel you'll have passion. You feel you have normalcy in your life. And I did for a certain point. I had somebody. But I blew it. I blew it. Because I wasn't stable. I wasn't focused on trying to make my life better. And it was hard because um, it was a painful experience. You know, I can honestly say I've had two real relationships. One was in 2000. And then I, then I met my wife, right? And between those times, I was trying to first search for somebody. And I was getting a lot of rejection. I just felt like I wasn't good enough. And that was, a real, that was really affecting me in my life. So I continued to search. Continued and continued. And it was never easy. And some of you out there... No, it's not easy. But some of us have that need to look for somebody. So going throughout those years, right before I attempted to take that, take my life, I was living in a phase. I was living in a fog. I don't even remember those periods of time. I was very much in a routine every weekend. Go to school, go to work, go to a movie on Friday night alone, go to dinner alone, go to the market alone, go everywhere alone. And although there were certain points that I would spend with my sister and my mom, I'm going to be honest, I don't remember those times because I was in that depressive fog. So I don't remember many of my 20s, which maybe it's a good thing. I don't know. Um, but going through that, I do remember I was depressed. I do remember that I was searching. So why is that important? Well, I'm going to play this song, my next song, that really resonates with how I feel for those going through this right now, who goes through depression, who goes through anxiety, who feels like there's no hope when there is, and we must all believe that, we must trust that, there is a brighter day tomorrow, even though today may be hard. So I think it's important that we remember that. Although we rely on heavily on people telling us that it's going to be a better day tomorrow, we have to remember that ourselves. That two years from now, a year from now, Six months from now, 10 years from now, maybe eons different 
than you would expect them to be right now because we need to get through this period in our, our life. So let me play this song. It's actually a Christian song, so, but it's a song by um, God Only Knows, okay? I think it's from, from For King and Country. And I think it was also written with Timberland, Timberland. <laughs> but it's a, it's a really good song that I love to just think about when I'm going through those hard days myself. And I still go through them. So let's, let's hear it out here, okay? As a Christian, I truly believe that, that God only knows. I know out there, for many of you who are going through things, people don't know what you're going through. People don't know the hardships that you're going through. And that's okay. People don't need to know, right? People don't need to know. One of the songs, if you ever listen to that song, and I, I recommend you watch the music video um, it's a young woman and a beautiful young woman, right? Living in a nice house. She's waking up. She lives in a nice environment. Something that most of us will probably dream about when we wake up in a beautiful place. She walks up. She drives to work. She goes, does normal things. Um, she writes a, she writes a, a letter probably a suicide note and she goes and walks to a bridge and she goes and walks to a bridge and she's gonna jump and she does jump in fact but right before she jumps in the song kind of speeds up or it rewinds so to speak and it kind of puts her all back like in reverse like if she's going back in time right and then there's people that come into her life and help her and be there for her and support her and you know you look at people today and you think that they're not going through hardships their life is perfect they live a nice life they have money they have a great job they have a great career you know why should they be depressed why they shouldn't be depressed. They shouldn't try to kill themselves. Why? I don't get it. It baffles the mind, right? But we're all human. We all have hardships. We all have things that we struggle with. And that's what makes depression, anxiety, suicide so hard is that 
not everybody not everybody's going to fit the mold of like who shouldn't and shouldn't commit suicide no one should be ending their lives right but you see it today and i see it especially in the christian community that blows my mind when one of the things that really they try to put into our minds in a good way is that god loves you and you see these pastors and youth leaders who are ending their lives who have people who look up to them now i get it they're human too right so why you know why why would that make them that difference what does it matter if they're a christian leader or a pastor well the thing is in my opinion they have so much people around them resources to help them get through those difficult times and god is our main source of power to get better in these times. I know for myself, God has been there. Okay? But God didn't come into my life, or I didn't allow Him into my life until around 2008. Okay? Up until the point of 2007, I was really in that depressive state. 2006 was a very difficult time because at that year, I left my job after my aunt passed away, who was fairly young. She was a very important person in my life. She loved us. She was a very important guide in my life who was always there. And I felt very lost. And there were other things going on in there to add on to compound that depression. And so... On February 7, 2007, I took that chance. I took that leap, that unfortunate leap. That day, I remember because I had a job interview. And what really triggered me off, and I remember this day, is I went to the job interview. And when I went to meet the people at the job interview, after they said there was going to be an interview, come to find out, they're like, well, we don't really have any jobs available right now and I was searching for a job I needed to have I needed to work you know I was very unstable in those times because I was job hopping a lot okay so I wasn't very happy with my situation I was I was really in a very difficult point so I needed some stability which I was really trying for and so that was the the trigger point that really pushed me over the edge so I went home. Well, actually, I went to get lunch first. I was very down for that reason. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to go get lunch. I'm going to go home. Sat in my room, in my chair. Nobody was home. I was by myself, eating my lunch. And then suddenly I, I, I felt this need to do something. Like I was in a very dark haze. I was very low at that point. And so I said to myself, you know what? I, I don't know. I just got up and I felt, I felt the need to go to the backyard. And there was a ladder there. And so I went in the garage and I found some old rope. And I was in this this definite like fog where I didn't, I really didn't remember what I was doing, to be honest with you. I was like in a trance. I don't know. I don't know what you would call it. Something was felt like something was controlling me. I truly believe that there was some entity that was controlling me at that point. And that may sound crazy, but it is my opinion that there's something that lived in that house. And I still believe that they live in that house, whatever lives in that house, some evil entity. And so I got up the ladder, I got the rope, tied it around my neck tightly. I found this pole that was in the backyard that was used for like a punching bag, tied it around that pole. 
climbed up the ladder. At that exact moment, my sister came home. My sister said that she felt sick. She felt really ill and she rushed home and she was living with us at the time, me and my dad. As I climbed up that ladder, I looked her straight in the eye as I was up on the ladder. She saw me and I jumped. I was, I had lost all control. And I don't remember that time. I do remember almost um, basically blacking out. But I also, from what my sister had, had told me, is that she had this feat of strength where she pushed my body up and I fell down to the floor and she unwrapped my neck to let me breathe. And then suddenly, you know, I woke up and I could see, I could see her, I, I opened my eyes and I could see her crying and yelling and screaming. And then suddenly I started to see people gather around me in the backyard. And then suddenly the, the police and the ambulance started coming and then eventually they took me away. And then I was at um, Martin Luther King Hospital in Linwood or Inglewood. Or, and so I was there for a 72 hour hold. Then I was transferred to another mental health facility where I was there for about a week where I was uh, given provided medication and 24 hour care to stabilize me. I was fed, I had to shower, I had to be share a room with people. Um, there were rubber rooms, but obviously I was not put in one because I w was not trying to act out. I was just in a very depressive state. Um, sister, mom and dad visited me. It was a very difficult time. And even though I don't like talking about it because I don't even talk about it around my sister because she gets very upset. She, it, it actually pretty much traumatized her for life, I believe. And anytime I try to bring it up, she, she starts crying and she gets very upset. And of course I did that, you know. I, I feel that I was under some type of spiritual something spiritual was going on in that house and I know it because I felt it and I also know it because this may sound crazy but in 2015 I've moved my family in there because we were having hardships and we moved in that house the house of hell the devil's house whatever lived in there and so Spiritually, there were spirits there. And so something that I just really kind of, you know, segue into about the spiritual world and, and, you know, and mental illness and how it affects you. I do believe there, there are people who unfortunately end their lives because of evil entities that want or try to do things to us mentally and physically. Um, one song I, I wanted to really play real quick, and something that it's not—it's not sense to be a joke. It's a sense to kind of, you know, think about like things in the spiritual world because I do believe a spiritual world exists. Spirits, ghosts, things of that nature. Yeah, they—they they exist, and I believe it. But listen to the song for a moment. And some of you may recognize it. Some of you may remember it from the film Insidious. But it's a song that I think about quite often when I think about what roams around at night while you're going to sleep, while you're walking around on a daily basis in your house, in your apartment. Who's there, I think? Let me play this song. Oh, 
Ooh, that song gives me shivers sometimes. And um, I know some of you may not feel like very scared about Insidious. It's kind of like, oh, that's not very scary. Um, but just the thought of like the spiritual world that roams around, you know, and what exists today. Um, I was recently watching the American Horror Story Murder House and just about all the victims that died in that house who roamed the house and who caused havoc and continued to cause havoc in that house. And pretty scary. And it's pretty weird things in that show. Um, but it is my belief living in that house with my father and my wife and daughter, things did go bump in the night. Some of those things included... Some of those things included knocks on the window. Some of those things included footsteps at night, phantom baby cries when there was no babies around. There were times where I would be in the shower and there would be knocks on the door and there would be a voice that sounded like my wife, which she was fast asleep. It was early in the morning. There would be, and I, 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 from what I hear, other people in the house that live with us, you know, voices, running around children. And, you know, that's just some of it. And there was also dark figures that would actually lurk at night and that my wife said that there was a, a shadow figure that would lurk over her at night while she slept and that one time she just could not she couldn't speak she tried to scream for me to wake up and she just felt this pressure on her that she could not wake up and it was there and eventually it went away but it was it came back um the, the most frightful time and i I say this very scary. This is one of the scariest times I will remember, okay? We were pretty much fast asleep, right? No one was up. And we heard this huge bang on the bedroom door. And somebody just banged on the door. And we opened it and no one was there. And we, we felt like somebody, evilly spirit was there, okay? Now there were certain things that we, I admit that we probably should not do when we were in that house. And probably big mistakes like watching certain movies. Shows like Ghost Adventures. It was just, it was a horrible house. My wife experienced pain in her back at all times, in her lower back. She had, a few times she had um, ear infections, painful ear infections, which may not seem very, like, well, big deal, everybody gets them, right? But there's just so many instances of times where it was just something there. And even watching Ghost Adventures, which I know it's a reality show. We don't know how true it is. I like to think that there are, it's a show that really tries to reflect the truth in, you know, spirit worlds. Um, there's been people that, you know, obviously has killed themselves over spirits living in the house who've, who've changed them. And those people weren't necessarily weak. It's just those spirits are strong. I feel I have a great sensitivity to the spirit world. I can't see spirits, obviously. I don't see ghosts walking around. Um, but I have a sensitivity that they do exist. Some people have less sensitivity, like they just... There may be things walking around today, and we don't even know they are walking around. But some sense it. Some are listening. But... I think it's important to really think about that. How do we talk? How do we get off this subject? <laughs> But um, thinking about that, thinking about what's going on in today's world, 
the divisiveness, the political spectrum, the, politi the politics of choosing a future president or elected leaders. Trying to remain positive and knowing we are in this together. Each of us are. Continue to fight to live another day because we don't know what the future is going to hold, right? We don't know essentially what's going to happen. As a Christian, it is our belief that the end of days are coming. Now, I'm not going to say the apocalypse is coming and the end of the world is coming, but there's going to be an end one day. It could be tomorrow. It could be 10 years from now. It could be next year. We don't know. But societies are slowly but surely turning on one another. Hate has increased. And it's only going to get worse. But we must stay vigilant, people. We must focus. We must love. We must be patient. We must focus on our families. And we must be kind and generous to those around us, especially the homeless, okay? The homeless are, are, are unfortunately poor souls that, you know, some of them, many of them don't even, didn't even wish to be homeless. But there's this divisive attitude towards the homeless these days that's, well, they deserve to be that way. They're mentally ill or they have, they're drug addicted or, you know, uh, you know, and, and all these horrible things that are said about them. When many of them, unfortunately, just had a hard bad of luck. Many of them lost their jobs, their livelihoods, and couldn't get back up to where they once were. And didn't have the people there to help them get back up there. They maybe lost their money. Maybe they lost their families. Maybe it could be drugs. Maybe it could be mental illness. It's a lot of factors. But all too often in society, we, we kind of want to shun them aside like they don't exist. When they do exist. And they deserve our kindness and generosity. And help. And you may say, well, I give them money. I see them on the street and I give them a few bucks and I don't want to give them any money. You know, I prefer to buy them a meal. Okay, if that's what you prefer to do. I don't want them to use my money for drugs. Okay, that's your choice. Whatever you want to do. As long as you're kind and generous to them, to society. I say this, I don't say this lightly. Get off social media. Focus on other things. Focus on family. Focus on friends. Focus on reading, writing, doing something more productive than being trolls online and spreading hate. And I know because I was starting to do that and I had to stop because it sucks you in, everybody. It sucks you in. And that's not the way people should be living their lives. I'm going to end this song. I'm going to end it a little bit early. But just to kind of say goodbye to everybody for now. Wishing everybody a great week ahead. To be productive. To be kind and generous to one another. To spread love and joy to those around you. And to know the importance that you all matter out there. Each of you who may think you don't matter, you matter. You matter to God. You matter to me. You matter to your families. You are loved. You are cared for. And you have worth, everybody. So if you are going through a hard time or need to speak with somebody and you really feel like, hey, you're really to call in the towel, throw in the towel, here's the National Suicide Hotline, one 800 273-8255 1-800-273-8255 
or if it's an emergency, call 911. And please, don't end your life. Cherish it, love it. Wait another day. As the Bible says, and I don't know the exact scripture, but in the in the evening comes, you know, hardship. In the morning, there's a new day, right? I'm not I'm paraphrasing that, of course, but um remember that. Tomorrow is a better day, even though it may not seem like it. For those going through hardships, loss of jobs, loss of money, loss of homes, it will get better again. Stay open-minded. Stay woke about what's going around you, the lies, the deceptions. To know that there are people really trying to deceive you from all sides, not just from the left or the right, but people who are trying to just control your mind in a sense. We cannot let them. Here's this song. Let's, it's from our beginning, but let's end with this. And wishing everybody a great week. So we got through another episode, everybody, of Just Talk with Joe Meyer here. Thankful. Hopefully this this episode sticks. <laughs> and hopefully uh, it, it gets recorded and off to everybody who wants to hear it. And I did have a lot more involved in the last episode. Um, so continue to go through my other episodes. Hear what I have to say. about. And um, But I'm pretty kind of, I'm a little upset that my last episode before this one the one that I tried to record just about an hour ago got basically deleted. So I was really upset because I had a lot of good information on there. But I'll save other information for another day and thoughts. Have a great night, everyone. Peace. Be safe. Wear a mask. Be kind and generous to those out there. And um, have a great week. Signing off. Thank you. <laughs>